The Antidote meets Luke Dean, the sole member of Vagabonds. Good to have you here, Luke. Hey, it's great to be here with you. Thank you. Do you really enjoy being the one and only band member? Yeah, I do. I, I waver back and forth sometimes between whether or not I would want other members, because along the way there have been uh, a couple other members, um, be it fill-ins or, uh, or like semi-permanent members. But yeah, it, it really does make a lot of things a lot more convenient. There's, there's definitely trade-offs too. Like, there's more weight on you and more pressure on you. And uh, there's something about if, if you have a, a team with you, then if you fail, you fail together. And if you win, you win together. Where there's sometimes more pressure being the only member. But really, it does make a lot of things easier from booking tours to um, the artistic side of it. I don't really have to have much give. I can kind of do whatever I want with it. So yeah, I, I do enjoy being the only member. Is that really the truth? Or is it just that you actually have difficulty playing with others? <laughs> no, well, see, I actually play in other bands. I don't know. I like playing in a band a whole lot. There's just a lot of details that come into play that I don't necessarily like dealing with on this level of touring so frequently. Mm-hmm. Um, so I play in uh, another band. I play bass in. Uh, it's called Valedictorian. It sounds kind of like mineral. Um, and that's really fun just because it's two of my best friends and we get to sit down and just write fun, loud songs. And then I, I play in a, a hardcore band locally as well, just for the sake of playing loud music. So I definitely do like playing in a band format, but for this project specifically, uh, at least right now, it works better as a solo thing. Maybe somewhere along the way, I'll, I'll add another friend or, or two, and I'm, I'm very open to collaboration. But as far as the direction's concerned, I, I usually have like a pretty clear vision of what I want out of it, and not having other people to kind of compromise with makes it easier to fit into my life. Well, you know, really, with the music of Vagabonds, I couldn't see you creating that in a group setting. I mean, it's quite personal. And I get maybe it's more accurate to describe it as being intimate. Oh, yeah. I've played in bands since I was 13. This is the first one I've ever been the person that sings. It definitely would be weird to like write lyrics with other people. And even when I was playing with other people, I, I would kind of just mumble and then I would sing it live, but I would only like really mumble it in practice or like kind of step back from the mic and sing it. So people didn't really know what I was saying. You weren't embarrassed by your singing, were you? No, no, I, it wasn't that. It was just some things were so personal and I there's specific avenues that I like to express them in, like in a live show. Um, and just like being in a room with like a couple other people is almost sometimes too personal, mm-hmm. uh, especially when you're kind of in the process of writing it. You know, you're forming what you want to say. Um, it's kind of like the therapy section of, uh, of all the process. Well, I want to bring up one of those personal songs. You did it on the split release that Vagabonds did with Spider Mansion. And I think I've guessed the background story of two weeks, but maybe you could fill us in. Yeah, I guess I try to leave a little bit of ambiguity um, behind my writing. But yeah, that's a song about uh, my biological father and all the rejection that I had to go through uh, while growing up and trying to reach out and him continually not really wanting to have anything to do with me. 
uh, and then kind of working through that anger and that bitterness attached to that and then uh, ultimately choosing forgiveness and choosing to let go of that bitterness. And this is something that comes up in much of your music. It just seems to be mm-hmm. issues that you're working through. Oh, yeah. it's uh, That's the sole reason for my writing. I don't really write anything unless there's a purpose or something I need to get out of it for myself, really. Every now and again, I'll write just a, a little song just for fun and with some goofy lyrics and never put it out. But um, I think there's something really special to, to going through something and then uh, being able to talk about it with other people. It, it almost seems weird if I go through different things and then I just keep it all to myself. Like maybe I work through it, but then I just kind of keep it to myself. Uh, I think there's a really cool element of solidarity to playing honest music like you can be in a room with a bunch of other people that uh have gone through maybe not the same thing but something similar you can resonate with it and uh i like that about it for sure it's it's a lot more rewarding and fulfilling and not to downplay like the value of pop music or anything like that i like pop music too and i like happy-go-lucky stuff but there's a place for everybody in this musical world and mine just tends to be a more uh serious autobiographical and uh cathartic thing for me well how serious can it be because i laughed when i saw your music genre being labeled as bedroom pop punk did that description actually come from you (laughs) well okay so i mean there's a lot of people that that call it like bedroom punk you know um bedroom pop or bedroom punk mine airs a little bit on the side of, of of the punk stuff um that's really just lending itself to the nature of how uh the songs were recorded, which is primarily just in my bedroom or uh, or wherever I can find. It's kind of saying that it's, it's lo-fi. There's no studio production behind it. It's just me in my bedroom making songs. That's kind of where the, the bedroom punk title comes from. So you really are the ultimate of DIY. You could say that. I mean, now I am on a label, so there's a little bit less of that aspect, but... Uh, In most cases, yeah, I really do like being DIY. I want to get into a single that you released last year called Your Life is Not a Movie. Sure. The song got my attention by speaking of being unable to accept God's grace. I mean, that's a common thing for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. How does someone change that view for themselves? (sighs) That's a hard question. Um it's not one that I really feel like I can make a blanket statement on. Hmm. I mean, there's something to, some people might say, working through your salvation with fear and trembling. Um, I think it's really personal, almost too personally to say like, this is the A and the B to it. Mm -hmm. Uh, You really have to be honest with yourself and where say not being able to accept grace is coming from. And for me, it's, you know, sometimes being able to address, like, it's attached to a certain hurt um, or arrogance. Um, and not to say that everybody who struggles with that is arrogant, but sometimes in my case it has been. I don't know. I would say just through prayer, really. Praying, being honest with yourself, being honest with uh, the people you confide in, and... Uh, really just trying to work it out in conversation with God or in conversation with others. Um, 
but yeah, I don't think there's necessarily a formula to it, or if there is, I don't know it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that same song, Your Life Is Not A Movie, has you giving your age away, telling the listener that you're about to turn 20. Do you think that age has any relevance in your songwriting? I would say kind of, sometimes unfortunately, yes. Um yeah, it does. It definitely does. I think I write things that are generally things that people my age go through. I hope that it uh, it's relatable for a broader audience, but that's, you know, most of the people I see connecting with it uh, are my age. Um, I think a lot of the times because of the subject matter, age has an effect on the way I feel, which thereby has an effect on the way that I write. Um, I think I for a long time, put really stupid, very meaningless limits on myself of like, I have to have this certain thing done. I have to have this thing accomplished by the time I'm this age because, you know, my other friends there. It's just a comparison thing. And I kind of locked myself into this view of like, if I don't have whatever done by a certain age, then I haven't, you know, fulfilled my goal. Which is, you know, there's merit in having goals, but I was just way too caught up in, oh man, I only have a little bit more time to do this. You know, I've got to fit like all the stuff in. I have to accomplish all these things by, you know, I'm 20 or 23 or whatever. You're just trying to map out and schedule your whole life. Yeah, in a way, definitely. Like, I don't know. I just see like what bands are popular and oh, what age they are. Oh, does this mean like if I hit the age and I'm not there, did I miss the boat on having a chance to make something out of what I do? And then I realized that a lot of the people I listen to are almost double my age sometimes. And there's no real limit on, you know, your artistic potential that's defined by your age. It was just some sort of weird perfectionistic thing that I had in my head for a long time. And strangely enough, like a lot of my peers who do music have the same type of mentality with that. I don't know where we all got it, but uh, there's definitely a lot of my friends that feel the same way. Well, here you are. You're 20. Yeah, 21 now. Okay, so now you're 21. You know, you've been able to sign to a record label, Blood and Ink. You have your first full length out. And really, that would be considered a success. It's the musician's dream. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think I always have, like, the next thing planned after that, you know, or in my head of, like, what I want the next step to be. So it's kind of a never-ending ladder, and I'm trying to figure out how to be content with where I'm at and with what I have and uh, really more at peace with my place now and what my place will be, whether or not it's uh, more relevant or less relevant or if I'm doing music at all, just trying to figure out how to stay content. Um, but yeah, with that said, there are definitely a lot of exciting things that happen, and I'm, I'm super grateful with, for where I'm at and the people that have helped me get here, for sure. That kind of success that you're finding as an artist, it seems to be at odds with the struggles that you share on that new release, on I Don't Know What to Do Now. Isn't that almost paradoxical? Oh, man. I mean, it's definitely an interesting thing, I think. There's the level of self-doubt that just kind of comes naturally with being someone that cares about your work. And then sometimes that self-doubt, however, sometimes might 
be unhealthy kind of helps you refine your art and then kind of in the end can uh can help you get somewhere um i would say i definitely don't doubt myself as much as i used to or or when i was making the record or writing the record i wrote it like when i was 18 to 20 i'm more confident person now or i think i know my place a little bit more than i did as a teenager um I would say all, all the struggles are still pretty similar, though, or uh, almost in some ways I don't think they really relate to my musical, quote-unquote, career. Um, they're, they're mostly friendship or family or mental issues that, uh, you know, say I, I made it to, like, Billboard or, like, got, like, to be, like, a huge artist or something, you know, it's wouldn't happen for someone that sounds the way I sound, but let's say that did happen. <laughs> I think, you know, that wouldn't rule out any of the the problems or struggles that I have, you know, in my personal life. I think there there's a little bit of a disconnect and there's definitely overlap because it is a big part of my life, but I think they would still be there. I don't think they, uh, they really depend on one another at all. I have to be honest with you about, I don't know what to do now. Sure. It's depressing. Oh boy, have you have you listened to the entirety of it? I or, have. Uh, but yeah, a lot of it, I would not necessarily disagree. But yeah, go ahead. What kind of a mindset were you in, I guess, between 18 and 20 when you were writing the album? Um, It really kind of changed by the month even. Not to say that I'm an extremely fickle person. I'm pretty externally consistent. Um, but... I definitely, uh, I mean, d- depression is like a real part of my life and it's something that, you know, if, if you've been depressed or if anybody who's listening to this has been depressed, it's kind of something that's almost always at the back of your mind kind of tugging at you. Uh, so it was kind of throughout the different degrees of that, um, man, I don't know, feeling like I was left behind by friend groups or, uh, you know, the, the whole, uh, relationship side of things, which, which isn't touched on much, which isn't a huge part of it, but you know, that's a part of growing up and the potentials there and the, the what ifs and, uh, sometimes feeling left behind when things don't work out. Um, and then there's just, uh, a lot of self-deprecation that I had to work through. Really the, the record is the process of me working through it. It's, uh, it's really a personal journal, I would say, um, or it's uh, it's like walking into uh, a therapy session and uh, maybe you lay down, you know, and uh, and you're talking through all these things, and it's probably not very positive. You're probably just kind of letting everything bleed that uh, is negative and and brought you to that place. And uh, I can't really afford a therapist. So I write about things, and I always have since I was in uh, elementary or middle school. I've just always written poems and songs, and it's always been my way to purge or work through or organize the thoughts in my head. And not to say that I was consistently, like, super suicidal or, or any. you know, it's not like every thought became all-consuming, but thoughts were there. Uh and I needed to do something with them so that they wouldn't go to the worst places. So I wrote about them, and that's how I worked through it. And so when I play live, a lot of the time I'll talk about that 
about how, uh, you know, maybe we're all yelling something together that's uh, maybe self-deprecating by nature, but I kind of scream it out as a victory song that I'm not there anymore or that, that I won't be someday or at the very least that I can yell honestly about where I was at and I can acknowledge what was going on inside of me. Um, 18 to 20 is such a formative time between moving and touring and uh, cycling through friendships and being let down and letting others down. There's a whole lot that can happen in those years. And uh, this was really just a, a fragment of what happened in those years. I wrote tons and tons and tons of songs that didn't really make sense on the album together that maybe I'll put on a different album. But these were the ones that I felt were relatively similar in subject matter and worked towards something. I think there is progression throughout the album. And I think that's the really important thing about it. Um, it's not a singles album. It's not a, a hits album or anything. It's something you should listen through and, and you get somewhere with it. No, absolutely. But I do know that the one song, Paralysis, I mean, which really deals with depression, is that still with you now? Hmm. Um, not in the same way. It, uh, not in the same way at all, really. Um, there's always, if you are a person more prone to depression as I am, uh, sometimes it'll just try and knock at your door for a long time. So I'd say maybe these days it tries to knock at my door and it tries to come in. But I have figured out the things I need to do and the steps I need to take to not let it in. I, I guess I'll kind of leave it there. Sure. Then it also has me wondering how you handle being out on the road doing shows and meeting people. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm a very introverted person. I kind of taught myself to be extroverted because you kind of need to, or at least I felt like I needed to um, learn to be more social and learn to, you know, communicate with way more people than I ever thought I would be. Um, yeah, the road can definitely take a toll on your mental state. Definitely. It's something you have to figure out if you're going to be out for over two weeks. And I just did like two months. You really need to know how you function and you need to know what you need to do to stay mentally and physically healthy. You know, when I started touring when I was 18, I didn't really know all those things. I would spend a lot of time just kind of being sad on tour, which kind of sucked. And just like maybe like going off on walks or I would just kind of like stare out into the distance and like question everything and like feel full of doubt. Now I, uh, I know how to handle myself a lot better on tour. And a lot of it comes down to really basic physical choices, like eating real meals. I didn't used to really eat much on tour. I was really, really poor, and I just wouldn't really eat much. I kind of would eat, like, whatever crackers uh, or, like, a clementine that was laying around the van. You know, it's definitely, like, fed, like, maybe a meal along the way, but sometimes that would be, like, the only thing I would really eat substantially that day. And I would just kind of be okay with roughing it because I believed in what I did or I wanted this adventure. And I would just kind of do that and be okay with that. And I wouldn't really exercise a lot. I would spend more time, you know, like seeing things or, you know, doing whatever. 
but I've realized that like if you're gonna be on tour, if you're someone that tends to get lost in your head, I learned for myself as one of those people, uh, I have to stay physically active. Like I have to get up and run, or I have to find a skate park and go skate. I have to get out. I have to be moving. Otherwise, I'm gonna be sitting in a van all day. You know, there aren't gonna be any endorphins released. I'm just gonna be sitting there gaining weight and not being active and getting lost inside my head uh, or like learning to eat a more nutritious diet. Mm -hmm. On this past tour, I spent a ton on food (laughs) and I would make sure that I got real meals every single day of tour, even if it cut into, you know, money I was trying to set aside. Even if that was the case, I needed that so that I wouldn't get physically sick and uh, so that I just wouldn't be fatigued, which feeds into your mental state. Like if you're not doing super well physically, your your mental state deteriorates. So being on tour, I had to really learn how to stay healthy physically, which really has helped with staying healthy mentally. And just like things like posting up at a coffee shop, journaling, maybe not hanging out with everyone late at night, figuring out what you need, going for a walk instead, praying, reading my Bible, doing things that... Uh, benefit me spiritually that help me stay grounded i guess that's kind of how i i survive on the road with that time on the road does that actually make you a legitimate vagabond (laughs) yeah i think the name (laughs) tagana greater meaning than i had really initially thought it ever would but uh yeah i would say so i would say that that fits the the description I spoke earlier about the album being depressing, but you mm-hmm. brought a brighter tone out on the final track, Teeth. Yeah. Were you specifically looking for a positive ending to I Don't Know What To Do Now? Kind of. I didn't write that song for that spot on the album. I wrote it on a whim, really, uh, just because I kind of was feeling it inside of my spirit. And uh, it, it just felt like, the perfect way to end everything it felt like there's so many questions on the album and there's so many moments of doubt if i can just give one song that says in the midst of this i still believe this then i wanted that part on there i think it's important i think otherwise it's just a bummy album and i'm you know maybe saying some things in the process and there's some really cool parts i think uh my friend james talks on it we had a conversation that we recorded and i spliced those into some of the tracks i think some of those parts are really uplifting and uh makes it very interesting hearing that yeah i hope so um i put those parts in there to kind of shed some insight on you know i don't write songs when i'm happy really i write them when i'm bummed out but maybe i can add something to share how i really feel you know, with the extra things, with like sound clips and things like that uh, along the way that, that add more hope. You know, I think there are songs like Old Friends, Wherever You Are. I think that song is very hopeful. Um, and I think there's like parts of uh, even the second real song, the third track, Deja Vu. While the song's like pretty self-deprecating, the, uh, the sound clips at the end from my friend James, I think are really hopeful. And uh, that's kind of why I put those in there. 
you've only just released I Don't Know What To Do Now, but you've talked a bit about how you've been changing. So yeah. I wonder if the next Vagabonds album will be called Now I've Got It All Together. <laughs> you know, I don't think that's an album that I'll ever make. Uh, <laughs> to be honest, I think, I think I'll always use uh, this project to shed light on the struggle. But uh, I do have a lot of the new album written or what could be a new album written. And it is different. The subject matter is, uh, it's not the same album. It's not the same album at all. It might sound a little bit similar, but uh, the subject matter is, is definitely different. It deals with a lot of different things. I think uh, trying to step outside of just me or just, you know, blanket depression. It's just going to shed a different light on the world of Luke Dean. Yeah, definitely. It'll be a, a different side of my life. Um, and even like I said, while I wrote I Don't Know What To Do Now, I wasn't writing specifically for an album. I was just writing songs. And there were a lot of other songs that didn't make the cut. There were great songs that just didn't make sense on this album specifically that uh, you might hear from the same time frame that I wrote that, but just different thoughts going on in my head. Luke, thanks for bringing Vagabonds to the antidote, man. I really appreciate our talk. Dude, yeah, this was great. Thank you. Thank you for having me.